0: You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry.
1: Here's your host, Scott Kerr.
0: Since launching in 2006, My Teresa has been a go-to digital destination for luxury fashion and accessories. Born of a physical concept store in Munich in 1987, My Teresa has grown to become an international luxury e-commerce powerhouse, serving customers in more than 133 countries across the globe with a curated selection of over 250 of the most coveted international designers. It went public on the New York Stock Exchange last May and recently reported its Q3 fiscal year 2022 results, delivering another quarter of solid top-line growth with continued profitability. My guest today on The Luxury Item is Michael Klieger, CEO of MyTeresa. Klieger has served as MyTeresa's CEO and as a member of the Management Board since 2020. He has also served as President and CEO of MyTeresa.com since 2015. Michael Klieger has built a growing and profitable online business at MyTeresa, winning a category that has proven difficult for rivals like Farfetch, The Real Real, and Net-A-Porter to Conquer. Previously, Mr. Klieger held senior roles at eBay and consulting firms Accenture and McKinsey. Welcome to The Luxury Item, Michael. Hi, Scott. Thank you so much for joining me and taking some time out. First, I have to congratulate you on moving your business beyond fashion into the home with the recent launch of a new vertical called Life, and it features home and accessories and lifestyle products from a lineup of all these great designer and luxury brands. So when My Teresa was founded in 2006, it only sold women's wear, and then you expanded to kids' collections, and then a men's selection, and beauty, which we'll talk about shortly. Why did you decide home was the next chapter for My Teresa? Was it capitalizing on our post-pandemic-induced newfound relationship with our home, or was it always part of the, or was it always part of the playbook?
1: Well, thank you, thank you first, for being so well informed. Indeed, only only two and a half weeks ago, we launched Life. We, we on purpose chose the word life because it's more than just home decor um, we, we have customers that have beautiful homes but our customers are professionals so we also have the subcategory on the go because um, travel be it leisure or business is an important category but what we are doing is indeed following a more longer term playbook I mean uh, I don't want to diminish the uh, the drama and, and the tra- tragedy of the pandemic, but um, it is really a longer term playbook that is driving our business, which is we are focusing on a high end, very luxurious customer base. And, and, and since the beginning, we always try to be the best in the industry to understand their needs, to understand what they really want from us, first on fashion. And, and a lot of the ideas, a lot of the subsequent launches are actually based on interviews, on research with customers. And they said, why don't you have menswear? Why don't you have menswear? I mean, this is perfect. I mean, I, my, my, my friends would love to also be able to buy. Why don't you have kidswear? I mean, this is perfect. I mean, uh, this is not, not in all geographies, but in certain geographies, this is key. And so life is really about who is our customer? Clearly, these are people that have the financial means, but they clearly also have a passion for beauty. They care how they look like, but they also care how, how their homes look like. And, and, and that is a need beyond the clearly maybe intensified need during the pandemic. And so we were t- we are trying, and we can come back later to that, to really understand what else could we offer to our customer that would enthuse them, make them happy, but also, of course, make them an even more loyal customer.
0: Yeah. And how many brands do you have on board for life so far?
1: For life, we started with uh, slightly south of 100. The focus here is, of course, the extension of many luxury brands that mm-hmm. do home and decor. So you will find the Dolce & Gabbana, Missonis, Versace, Loro Pianas, Brunellos that have home textile, in some cases, small furnitures. But we wanted also for our customer credible offers. So you also find Funacetti, Vitra, Ginori. It's it's more than just luxury brands also offering home and decor.
0: One of the major differences of My Teresa versus the other multi-brand luxury online retailers is, is that you keep a tight focus on the curation of products on the platform and while others carry you know thousands of brands my teresa carries just over i think it's like 250 labels correct was, so was the thinking behind this strategy to remove the whole friction of analysis paralysis of too many choices
1: right on i mean again it comes back to our customer focus our, our i mean we focus on customers that buy a lot that buy often they buy with an occasion in mind so the the interesting part about our customers because they buy often is they won't get to the website and say today i buy this brand of bag or whatever no i have four invitations to weddings in the next four weeks i need dresses and so if if you have this desire for floral dresses let's say you indeed don't want to look at 1000 because this is not helpful you also don't want to have just one brand of dresses because this is the multi-brand offer and and, and since you may like Saint Laurent, Prada, Gucci, whatever, but you won't decide already in the beginning. I only buy dresses from them. And so we have found if, if we curate, if you offer three pages of floral dresses, that is the mixture of inspiration, convenience, efficiency that our type of customers really love.
0: And how do your buyers choose the luxury brands that would be most compelling to customers?
1: Well, on the decision to which brand enters our portfolio, this is, of course, a uh, a lot of art, our buyers are well-trained, have worked in the industry for years, and they're looking at new brands, at existing brands. I mean, as you know, luxury brands go, go, go through cycles. Sometimes a new creative director energizes a brand. Sometimes a famous house has been dormant for a few years. And, and they look and they constantly go through many more showrooms than the number of brands we carry. And and thus, they do kind of the hard work for our customers. They sort of check around the world what we in the end present. And it comes back to a customer that has a very active lifestyle. So we look for stuff that serves the resort, vacation needs. We look for gowns. But also, we have a very professional customer base. On women's wear, 80% of our customers are working or self-employed. So there's also a need for luxurious close for work. And, 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 and so I think what we do well or our buyers more precisely do well when they enter the showroom is a pretty clear understanding for whom are we buying.
0: So when the buyers find a brand that they want to partner with, you know, what are some of the ways that you convince them that you're going to create this unique value for them as, as part of this collaboration?
1: In the end, it again comes back to the type of customers we, we have. So What we offer to brands is to create visibility, to create accessibility to high-spending, luxurious customer base. And since this is a multi-brand, we call them wardrobe-building customer, they tend to check on multi-brand websites. Uh, If you look for a floral dress, you won't go through five, six monobrand.coms to find it. And so it's really visibility and accessibility to a very important customer base within luxury often a very influential not in the sense of being influencers but most social communities social fabrics there are always five women that kind of are style defining for many of the other women or for men it's often the one or two that shape how men like to dress, and, and mm-hmm. that we have this custom.
0: You said once that there's a void in the US retail landscape for a true luxury retail player, and that consumers are turning to My Teresa to fill that void. What white space does My Teresa fit into the market?
1: I think it's the combination of this strong focus on curation, really do the hard work, don't present everything, restrain yourself to make it even better. And of course, one of the advantages of our buying team is we are here in Europe. So they go to Milan, they go to Paris, they go to London, they they have a great visibility on, on new designers, uh, great access. And, and that allows us to be faster in some cases, but also because of our privileged relationship. We are often able to present products, capsules that you can only buy at MyTeresa. And and this is one of our hallmarks that just over the last couple of weeks, we were the global exclusive partner for the new Pucci collection. You see it first, but only first on MyTeresa and Pucci.com. We had a capsule collection from Dries van Noten, only available in MyTeresa and the brand itself. We had... Uh, just um, beginning of this week, a fantastic dress uh, capsule with Gianbattista Valli. So this focus on inspirational luxury, highly curated. This is what we see as the void that we can fill.
0: And you called My Teresa a customer company, and you know, meeting the needs of the luxury customers really become ever more challenging. So what makes MyTeresa's customer-centric approach unique among its competitors?
1: I think we are very ferocious on this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's not just a slogan. I mean, I personally read every week all customer comments that we collect through the Net Promoter Score. The Net Promoter Score, which is uh, in the mid-80s, yeah, very high level, um, is not only nice in the stat we look at, we actually work with it. We analyze I mean, we, we we for two seconds enjoy the high number, but then really dive into the zeros and ones we also get. And what happened and how can we improve? And um, it is, in the end, it is the hard work because for a customer to have an unhappy experience, it's often the little things. It's often the, the, the weakest link in a long chain that breaks and you constantly need to work on that. And, and so the NPS is not a stat, it's actually... An, an actionable tool that we use, but also in the mindset of our personal shoppers, in, in the mindset of our buyers, as I mentioned before, they do have a clear view on who we are buying for. Our buyers don't buy for themselves. They buy. They don't buy for the finance department. They have a clear view on who they're buying. And, and so it, I think it's easier said than done, which is the good thing, So because it's also easier said than copied. And, and we feel we have quite a strong moat here against some of our competitors.
0: And My MyTeresa successfully built its business with a traditional retail model, you know, buying wholesale from brands yes. and selling products to shoppers. But last year, you rolled out this curated platform model, this new model for working with brands. The way it works is My MyTeresa holds, if, correct me if I'm wrong, My Teresa holds inventory from select vendors in its warehouses, and then ships directly to purchasing customers. Why the move to this model?
1: I mean, you perfectly summarized it. And, and, and the model has some distinct advantages if you can really get it going. So in luxury, the supply chain is, is you could say, antiquated. I mean, you, you see something on a show in February, you go to the showroom, you write orders, and then the pieces hit your website October, November, because in the meantime, they're manufactured. And and what you bought seven months ago is what you sell, hopefully. With this new model, the inventory, as you said, remains in the ownership of the brands. It sits in our warehouse, but not only is it in the ownership of the brand, it's actually part of their bigger inventory pool, at least for those brands that can manage like that. And so... Mm -hmm. If our buyers didn't buy enough of size 37 seven months ago, that's it. We don't have it. In the new model, there is continuous replenishment. As long as size 37 is somewhere available in the system of the the brand, we can still get it replenished. We are much more able to adjust to demand demand changes to demand idiosyncrasies in the sense this item is working very well on my Teresa, whereas in the retail stores of the brand, it's not. So let's move it over, but also the other way and the other direction. And, and, and I think this is much more efficient. It's also much better use of inventory. It doesn't end up sitting idle somewhere. And the collaboration is not only in terms of supply chain alignment, but also it's a much deeper and better understanding when will what product be delivered? uh, What type of marketing will the brand do for this product? Because we are really integrated in supply chain, in deliveries with the brand. And then we can actually create a better experience for our customer. But that overall creates value.
0: And how many brands were part of uh, the new
1: model? Well, at the moment, we have six brands live in this model.
0: And how are you measuring success for the curated platform model?
1: I mean, success looks like in and driving more revenue and driving more, more growth with system-wide actually inventory. That's success.
0: You disclose that 30% of my Teresa's sales are generated by 3% of your clientele. They reportedly have an average basket, I think it was a thousand euros. Yes. Who, who are these top tier customers and how do you keep them engaged with my Teresa?
1: I mean, they're luxury loving professionals and, and you need both of course, because the, the professional part is not only to have the financial means, but also their the lifestyle is one of being time constrained, being busy, running companies, running businesses. And so they're interested in the time and the convenience of, 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 of e-commerce but they're really also interested to have the latest pieces, the most exclusive pieces. This is our customer group. And how do you keep them happy? How do you make them loyal? Which we are. We have close to 100% loyalty of customers after the second year with us. It's really the curation and the special services that we offer to these top customers. So every one of these top customers has a personal shopper, how they use them is of course their own decision, whether they use them more as a stylist or as a highly efficient and dedicated concierge. Our top customers are invited to our events. So some of the events I mentioned before, be it a Piana uh, cocktail party in LA or the Giambattista Valley dinner in, in Rome. We also also invite top customers to attend this, to be part of the industry, to meet creative directors. And uh, we also offer our best customers accessibility to the shows giving them access and tickets so this is you need to create things they can't buy themselves because you can't keep them happy by offering free dinner they can pay for them as much dinner as they want it's really how can i really get and become part of this luxury industry which i as a customer find so fascinating
0: Abundant data and advanced analytics are helping luxury brands create new models of their customers' lifetime value. And you've built a profitable e-commerce business on a loyal clientele of these high-spending customers. What role has artificial intelligence and predictive analytics played in helping you identify your loyal customers?
1: It it has and continues to play a, a very important role. One of the challenges in our business is to really identify those customers that promise a long and high lifetime spent and and so what you want to do is particularly in in targeting new customers in, in 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 bidding or in retargeting or in marketing efforts that you speak to those that actually will spend a lot and and ai algorithms help us to identify those cues of the search behavior of the initial purchase of the type of keywords they are looking for on Google that are predictive indicators of the ensuing customer lifetime value. And we really fine tune our system. So our our building algorithms are actually based on predicted customer lifetime value.
0: And once you get these insights on these high potential customers, what kind of marketing tactics does it trigger?
1: All, all sorts of it. I mean, one is if you really understand which keywords, adwords, adwords, at least statistically promise higher customer lifetime value and which not, you reallocate digital marketing money, of course. If you understand which traffic sources provide higher customer lifetime value, which not, you again reallocate it. paid social, paid marketing, but also what initial items create the right customer. Base for future business. And that also drives with what types of products do we go out in newsletters? I mean, we we often get the question, how do you develop so loyal and high spending customers? And and to be honest, one one truth about it, you have to start with the right ones. I mean, if you start with the wrong ones, you will never be able to develop them. So the the initial targeting is actually a key driver for success for creating a a profitable and loyal customer base.
0: I want to change subjects for a second to the luxury market, fresh COVID-19 restrictions in China, a major growth market, and the Ukraine crisis has put a dent in the sales of many luxury fashion and beauty brands, brands that reported strong rebounds over pre-pandemic levels. My Teresa has not been immune to these challenges. While you recently reported continued profitability and top-line growth in the fiscal year third quarter, the issues in China and consumer sentiment in Europe has slowed things down a little bit. Uncertainty really lies ahead with the geopolitical and macroeconomic outlooks. They're kind of on shaky grounds these days. Luxury has dodged the inflation bullet for now. Are you feeling optimistic that strong demand for luxury goods will continue to cut through these headwinds?
1: Yes, we feel optimistic about it. I mean, you're right. We have not been immune to geopolitical effects that happened in in the first three months of this calendar year. Uh, we, We... continue to grow. We continue to be profitable, which in comparison to many other companies was outstanding, but in terms of our historic numbers, it it showed the impact. But we also, as we reported these, our Q3 results, we clearly guided for uh, growth in Q4 of again, 23%. So a clear rebound, we guided that we will achieve also for the full fiscal year uh, full profitability and growth within our long-term guidance of 22 to 25%. And, and that is not just hopeful or wishful thinking. I mean, war, COVID outbreaks, we are not immune to that. But inflation, as you said, I mean, the inflation rates we're currently looking at are comparative to price increases we had in luxury over the last two or three years, actually low. Recession, I mean, if the recession hits economies around the world or in the Western world, our customer base is is probably the, the last one to feel it. Mm-hmm. And one very important driver, because we often talked, oh, the pandemic helped you, but now the pandemic is over, it will hurt you. The real driver for our continued expansion over the last years now is we are still in a sector where the online share is low compared to other consumer segments. I mean, when I started at My Teresa in 2015, only 4% of luxury was bought online. We are now close to 20%. The estimates by some marketing research companies is that by 25, we get close to 30%. But even then, compared to other consumer sector, it's relatively underpenetrated. And that's the driver. That's what will continue to go on. So, even if the total pie will grow less, the online pie will continue to grow.
0: And the United States continues to be a standout region for my Teresa, especially in light of what's going on in the rest of the world. The double GMV, the general merchandise value growth in third quarter, was driven largely by the US market. You've been holding these glamorous events, you talked about it before, with partner brands in California and Texas and Florida. How else are you ramping up efforts in the United States to reaffirm the importance of this market?
1: The U.S. is, is a very important market. Um, we have really increased our spending, our operational spending in the market since the IPO last year. We, we have set up our own office, our own sort of team's very important for the teams are the personal shoppers that we now have in New York and Florida and on the West Coast. And it's really customer outreach and events are driving customer outreach, but also of course PR, but we beyond the brand driven events that we did with, with Loro Piana and, and uh, with uh, Dolce & Gabbana in, in the US, it's also styling suites where, where our personal shoppers set up shop in the Carlyle Hotel in New York or the Beverly Hills Hotel in LA and invites our existing customers but also always the outreach is for bring a friend because a friend of a good customer is most likely a potential good customer and mm-hmm. so styling suites are important we also do specific events we partnered um, uh, in, in in Miami with the with a hotel and set up a a sort of a pop-up store. We uh, partnered with the Flamingo Estate to create a beautiful event there for customers. Uh, It's really outreach. It's really touching these special customers. I mean, they are highly, highly sort of uh, lucrative in in a not demeaning word, but you need to really Work hard, show your passion for them, um, be very dedicated as a company, but also as a personal shopper. And that's best done with personal interaction at some points in time. I mean, at the end, we are an e commerce company, but this. Physical presence, not as in form of a store, but in terms of your touchable, reachable, is important also for an e-commerce company.
0: Luxury goods sales have been underpenetrated online, but the pandemic changed all that. People got more comfortable buying expensive items online. My Teresa and its competitors certainly reap the benefits from this paradigm shift. Now with physical retail openings are in kind of full swing right now, how is my Teresa retaining these new customers, and what are you doing to attract new ones with high lifetime value?
1: I mean, you, you, you're absolutely right. This is one of our key concerns, and this is where we are uh, almost paranoid. And and so, one of our key statistics is that we look at customer cohorts, newly acquired customer cohorts, and their 90-day repurchase rate. So, how many of new customers that we have attracted in a given period? how many of those repurchased after 3 months and that percentage is a key indicator of the quality of the cohort and 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 we are very happy and, and have reported on the fact that cohorts that we attracted
0: mm-hmm. we
1: acquired even during the most vicious pandemic phases have at least if not sometimes better repurchase rates after 3 months so the quality coming back to my original point the most important thing is start with the right customer. And then it is, of course, the customer service. It is, of course, timely shipping. It is, of course, exclusive products that you can only find on Teresa. There is the f- full experience of marketing activations, of seeing Jean-Baptiste Valley Welles- dresses you can't see anywhere else, or special Montclair projects, or uh, in the next couple of weeks, we will be out there in, again in Capri, in, in Monte Carlo, in Saint Tropez with our teams, with our events, engaging with customers. And, and that is important. That is the one to one. That is also an opportunity to acquire new customers as they bring a friend. And then, no surprise and no secret, as, as you can see in our PL. A lot of it is, of course, digital marketing. A lot of it is targeting people that search online for certain products.
0: And what categories were strong in this this past quarter? Are you seeing more occasion buying again?
1: I, I, absolutely. I mean, in, in Europe, beginning of uh, September, October last year, in the U.S., already in, in April, May last year, those categories that suffered during the pandemic, heels, dresses, clutches... Came back with a vengeance, whereas flats, knitwear, sneakers sort of uh, flattened out with their growth because they clearly benefited during the pandemic. A lot of what people or our customers buy is, of course, occasion driven and being able again to go on vacation, finally having all those parties, weddings, uh, whatever social events this is the driver for what they buy and therefore it is heels and, and dresses on the woman's side and shirting and and uh, loafers uh, we sell now more loafers than, than sneakers on the menswear side mm-hmm. which is reflecting sort of the social uh, lifestyle that they currently have our customers
0: Many luxury fashion platforms have jumped into the beauty game for a slice of that $500 billion global beauty industry. My Teresa has been carefully kind of, I'd like call dipping its toes into the beauty arena as well. <laughs> and and last year you had a successful collaboration with Estée Lauder, and most recently you hosted a digital pop-up with Cisley in Paris. From what you've seen and learned so far, where do you feel My Teresa can fit
1: into the beauty conversation? I think... We need to really review any category with does it match our core strengths? And as I mentioned before, it's curation, it's inspiration, it's surprising customers in a certain bandwidth of, of prices, of, of aesthetics and lifestyle. So, home and decor, perfect fit. I mean, if you ever looked for a vase, I, I doubt that many customers could precisely describe what ways vase they were looking for but once they saw it they said oh this is exactly what i was looking for so curating these are the 50 way vases you should look at and then you find one and you buy it beauty is sometimes a bit more complicated for our strengths because often customers are very loyal to their products they've always used this skincare they always use this lipstick and so there's a lot of repeat where being a discovery and inspirational platform is not as valuable. And so it's clear that if we enter beauty with a full assortment, we should really focus on areas where customers are more in discovery mode, are more open to inspiration and not asking for, I always use this cream. The only point I now want to find out, is there anywhere a coupon? This is not the need we can fulfill with our business model. And therefore, beauty is not, the size you mentioned is highly attractive and attracts us. And our customers do buy beauty products, also very expensive beauty products, but we need to match that with our core strengths, which is inspiration, curation, and exclusives.
0: So about a quarter of my Teresa's business is coming from the Asia-Pacific region and its important growth region for you it seems like My Therese's mobile first platform was just made for appealing to these high net worth shoppers in China. You just joined the Chinese e-commerce giant JD and launching an e-commerce boutique on its platform. You're already active on important platforms like Weibo and WeChat. What are your plans for making a bigger dent in China?
1: This is a very promising market. I mean, in terms of size, but also in terms of appreciation for luxury. And what we belief and which which our strategy is based on is that the chinese luxury consumer is probably the fastest learner they have gone through different phases of luxury consumption much faster than we have as europeans or even americans and what i described before we are not the place to price hunt, the one bag you always wanted. We are really for the wardrobe builders, ready-to-wear is the biggest category. We offer over 40%. And so our China strategy is exactly residing on this, pleasing customers that look for ready-to-wear, that look for inspiration, that look for in- exclusives, and look also for a more timeless luxury. So some of the brands that work best for us in, 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 in China are the lower Piano of the world's the, the Bonellos, the Tom Fords. So brands that have a very strong offer and ready-to-wear that also have accessories, but their DNA is much more defined about products in, in ready-to-wear, savoir-faire, fabrication materials. And, and this is the customer we serve. And we strongly believe this is actually the customer segment that will grow as luxury consumption matures in, in, in China. And Good ready-to-wear offer, multi-brand ready-to-wear offer in China is actually, it's not not too many that offer that. There's a lot of activity in accessories and bags and shoes, but not in ready-to-wear.
0: So about a year ago, my Teresa jumped into the resale game through a partnership with luxury fashion resale platform, Bestiaire Collective, through which it gives customers store credit in exchange for their old handbags. You recently extended that collaboration to the UK. With the resale economy booming, do you see a future of a deeper integration of selling pre-owned alongside new luxury items on My Teresa?
1: Maybe. I mean, not for now. What we have solved for was the demand and questions by customers saying, my wardrobe is constantly filling up. I have these beautiful pieces. i Warn them only occasionally. I I can't use them anymore. They're far too precious to throw them away. But I don't have time to now start on the side, uh, a P2P resale-based business on Vestia or eBay or Wells. And so what we have done with our partnership with Vestia Collective is to provide our customers with a preferential access, uh, web access that is only for our customers, where you can offer your pieces and Vestia buys them. So they quote it. If you agree with the quote, within depending how quickly you get the product to them, within three four days you have found a new home for your pre owned pieces, and you earned store credit on my Teresa. And so this is the need that we are serving now. Whether there is a, a bigger need of also our core customer to actually buy pre owned then it would also mean that we could expand that area. At the moment, this is not planned.
0: And late last year, MyTheresa and Montclair teamed up to introduce Montclair's new women's wear and menswear collection via this 360 degree virtual pop-up shopping experience. The movement of luxury fashion into the metaverse promises new routes for consumer engagement. Have you been planning MyTheresa's journey into the metaverse?
1: Planning would be a big word because (laughs) I don't don't know whether anyone understands yet what it is or what it could be. So planning is, but but we are actively engaged in understanding it. And, And that has always been our approach to innovation. I mean, if you try to predict the future, in most cases you get it wrong anyway. So rather than sit at the desk and research and predict, enter it, test it, see where customers react, see whether... Uh, the NFT for 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 a visual graphic of a product is interesting, or the NFT as a, as a, as a token of entrance to physical events is interesting. Uh, is it AR, uh, which we tried? Is it VR, which we tried with, with Montclair? We don't know. But I think it's absolutely fair to say this will be an important part of customer experience, whether it will be very transactional, I have doubts but maybe I'm wrong. But um, the most bizarre fact I read was there was a study 2 years ago where they put VR goggles on cows. That I did were, see, I
0: remember that, yeah.
1: And they they gave better and more milk because <laughs> they were they, they they had the sense they were alone on a meadow. That is fascinating. (laughs) I I don't know what it means for our customers, but it is (laughs) for our cows. What does
0: it mean for our cows?
1: cows.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So my final question, Michael, is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. If you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one luxury item with you what would that luxury item be it can't be any form of air transportation or water transportation to get you off the island or anything that requires mobile service or you can call somebody to get you off that island it's just you lots of sand some palm trees and miles and miles of ocean what would that one luxury item you, you would like to have with you
1: I mean so clearly clear you defined the rules that I I am stuck and will be stuck exactly so, <laughs> so there are only two practical things I would look for is uh, some really nice flats, because a lot of sand. Um, so I, 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 I have some nice, um, I don't know the English word for it, but they're really nice flats from Gucci that have served me well on vacations. There's nothing Is that more. your final answer? That's my final answer, because I nothing is more painful than walking bare feet, at least for me, over hot sand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Michael Klieger, CEO of My Teresa, thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury
1: Item. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me.
0: That's it for this episode of The Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.